came across a quote out of a book that Pastor Scott led me to, and, and I highlighted it, and I wanted to read it this morning. Dr. Michael Brown writes the book, The Fire That Never Sleeps. And he writes in the book, makes this statement. Revival is a season, an unusual divine visitation resulting in deep repentance, supernatural renewal, and sweeping reformation in the church. Along with radical conversions of sinners in the world. Often producing moral, social, and even economical change in the local and national communities. The co-author of this book Pastor Kilpatrick makes a statement. Revival is not church as usual. Revival exchanges the old usual for a new usual. When revival comes, some of what accompanies it would be considered abnormal or unusual. Why? It's been so long since these things were usual in the church and in our lives and that we have labeled them unusual. By God's grace, the unusual is starting to become usual again. He writes a few things that revival is not. Revival is not a series of special meetings at a church. Revival is not what a church does a few times a year and simply draws a new, new converts to the fold, which we all celebrate, but that's not revival. Revival is not the unusual physical, physical manifestation that tends to happen when people are touched by the Holy Spirit. That is not revival. A.W. Tozer writes this about revival. Have you noticed how much praying for revival has gone on and how little revival has resulted He says, I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obedience. And it's simply not the work of him. But perhaps even more, our vision is to help us position position ourselves to become revival. A revival that the church has been praying for for some time and that the world is deeply in need of. Did you hear me, church? A sense 
of awakening, a sense of something coming to life. Revival. And I don't want you to get mixed up by what I'm talking about, a church revival. I want to share one thought this morning. And I want to preface it like this. He also writes, a day is coming when four songs and a sermon will not do. It just will not suffice for any longer. Perhaps this motto has been good for a season. But in an hour of deep darkness, we need to be people who carry the light of the kingdom. Amen, church? Has anybody cut their TV on in the last three weeks? None of y'all have TVs. There is a desperate dark need that's swelling in our society, amen? There is hurt in every corner. Listen, you can't go to the local train station, to the airport, and to another country. You can't go to the Starbucks. Men can't put uniforms on and go to places to help and serve people without there being a dark, dark presence of the enemy. So I ask the question, what does it look like when we, as those who profess to be followers of the king, enter into a lifestyle of revival? A lifestyle of revival. So Jesus, in this moment, I pray that you would help us take a a deeper look into what it means to live this lifestyle of revival. God, we do not want business as usual. But God, we want the unusual. We want the abnormal. So enemy, you have no place in this room. You love to distract. We're not going to allow that to happen today. So you go to the only place that you had dominion over is the true pit of hell. And you go there. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. So for the past eight days, I've written this message three times. It would come together, then there would be like an eraser that would come into my brain and erase it. And then I would prep some type of variation to it, and it would happen again. We as folks that stand on the stage like to put things together, if you will. We like for you to walk away like with a thought that would resonate in your brain when you leave. Some would call it food to chew on. Because if we don't do that very often, people will have question marks, well, I'm not getting fed. Like me, many of you don't look like you're hungry. But the nature of of this message is extremely simple. And it comes out of the book of Acts, which we talk about a lot, the early church, because I think there's something to be said <laughs> about the early church and where we have gone. One scripture, Acts 1. We're going to be working out of Acts 1, but I want to give a preface for those who do not know what's going on. Jesus has just ascended into heaven. And he gives a command to his disciples. And this is the command in verse 4. While they were eating, while he's eating with them, he gave them a command. This was the command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait. But wait for the promise but wait for the gift but wait for what God is going to give you he will blow your mind wait for it which is something this society struggles with amen a couple of you I struggle with it Does anybody struggle with sitting still? I know, listen, when you stand on the stage, you see how many people move around in this auditorium. Like, does does that mean our bathrooms get overworked during during like a 30-minute span? You're like, man, they can't hold it for that long? Hey, don't get mad at your kids when they get up right in the middle of dinner time. They're like, mom, I need to go pee. Remember this moment. Hold it. It's 15 minutes plus 30. I struggle to sit and wait. But this is the thought this morning is this. In lieu of everything that's going on in this society, with the craziness that you don't know when you wake up in the morning what's going to happen that day when you turn the TV on, it's almost better not to turn it on, right? Right? Anybody with me on that? 
Or you get on your phone and you pull your news feed up on your phone. And you, mm-hmm. Yep. Like six things, the top six headlines are all shootings, somebody killing somebody, something desperate in the world, right? Does anybody ever want to take their phone and throw it at a wall? I got one. He actually meant he liked to throw his daughter's phones in the, in the wall. That's right. That's a, go, Gary. So, church, I've been studying these historical revivals that have taken place all over the world for the last several centuries. And it's pretty amazing. But you know what they all started with? One person. With personal, intimate revival. See, they weren't longing for thousands of people. They were just longing for one. Like one, them. Hey, God... I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of the life in which I live, the one that I have created. I'm tired of it. There's got to be more than this Jesus thing than they tell me. There's got to be. And there's always been a spirit and a sense of of repentance, a longing for change, and an attitude of wait. Wait for it. Like you can't create revival. Listen, we can pitch a tent and we can bring the best guy in the that you know that can speak and hold nightly services, which are all fine and dandy. I like it. Matter of fact, I'm a fan of it. But where that starts is with one. Specifically, you. Jesus told the disciples to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> what a command, right? Of all the commands Jesus has given to wait because if you wait for it (laughs) I'm about to blow your minds hey I know you've been with me for three years guys but you ain't seen nothing yet like the very things you've seen me do (laughs) I'm about to unleash a power upon you that you'll do and scripture says you'll even do greater things church scared about that one right we get scared what are you talking about preacher don't ever call me preacher either. I just called myself preacher, but no, I like to say. I'm just Bradley. What, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? What do you mean that we'll like do greater things than Jesus? I'm just quoting the scripture. Hey guys, I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna unle- I'm gonna unleash something on you. that's going to change your world forever. But I need you to wait for it. I need you to wait for it. 
But see, in our society, we struggle with that, don't we? Because what are you, most of you in the room? Most of you are doers, right? Give me a task, I'll do it, right? Let me tell you what the church is really good at. Giving you a list of six things to go do and for you to check them off. If you can check these six things off, you are in good standing. Listen, I'm guilty. Like, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Like, just read your Bible for 20 minutes a day. Pray for three or four. Because you know you can't pray more than that. Go to church three times a week. Because that's what we want to push to you. Because <laughs> that's easy. Do you think it was easy whenever he said, go and wait to the disciples? You think it was easy for them to go to the upper room? Like this was Jesus. He spent three years with him, and he just revealed himself to him for 40 days and he ascended into heaven. And he says, go wait. I'm curious what they did in their waiting. I'm curious. It doesn't tell us. But I bet they <laughs> did some seeking. What did you think? They probably quiet their hearts so they wouldn't miss it. And it was individual. It started in one, one personal revival after another personal revival. And then we are here today, 2,000 years later. Amen. Aren't you glad that they waited? So mom, dad, is it time to just start waiting and stop doing? Stop. If you'd have done this or you should have done this. If he tells us just to wait. Wait upon the move. Because what I'm about to unleash on you is going to blow your very minds. I love in the book of Joshua. I think it's Joshua 3, 5. He tells the folks, he tells the Israelites, hey, listen, like, like we're getting ready to go over there, like across this big old river that's at flood. Like, that's ours. Like, the promised land is ours. Like, it's ours. But you know what he tells them, first of all? Consecrate yourself. Wait. Seek him. He's about to give you something that you've dreamed about. But see, waiting, we think, is passive. Well, I'm just going to sit back here and wait. Like I'm, I'm going to pray for it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. But no, this wait is active. Like an active waiting. That sounds silly, doesn't it? An active waiting. There was a gentleman back in 1857. When you go back in history, American history, back in the 1850s when there were the factories were shutting down and despair was happening, there was a gentleman by the name of Jeremiah. He worked at a factory. But he was just a normal dude. 
when he looked at society and saw it was going to hell in a handbasket. I'm probably going to get smacked on the finger for that one later. I probably should have said that. But that's where it's going, church. Have you looked around? Look at our society. Where's it going? It looks like it's going south, doesn't it? But this man said, there's got to be more. All this despair around me, there's got to be more. And so he started praying. Him, individual, personal revival. That's what he asked for. Then you know what? He changed his thought. He said, you know, I'm going to invite a few other of my buddies that are in other factories in New York City in the 1850s and ask them to come at lunchtime, a noontime prayer. Open the doors and we'll just pray together. For a week, no one showed up. But guess what? He waited. It was personal. It was just him. Then what happened? A couple showed up. A few folks showed up to pray. Within six months, within six months of this singular man having the desire for God to do something in the the despair of the society that's fallen in around him, within six months, there was over 10,000 businessmen praying in New York City. It started with one person. Within 10 years... There were over one million converts that were added of followers of Christ in 10 years, over one million. See, folks, that's revival. When it's something that wasn't planned, it just happened. That's whenever it's just good. I guess where it starts. By waiting. That's not pretty. That's not a good message. Like, can you give us something more that we can walk away with today? This is what I have to offer. I struggle with this, to wait. Because I want to go and I want to do. Give me a list. I would check it off. I'll make my own list and check my own list off. I'll do my own thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, give it to me or I'll create it. But hey, Bradley, how about I want to do something in your waiting that you didn't know that I could do? What would it look like for a church that got it. One person at a time. I'm not talking about the body of believers because what we talk about a lot is that we don't want people that come to this place to find their identity in this building or a sticker on the back of your car or something that this place has to offer you. We want you to find your identity and who Jesus is. And you know when you find that? When you wait. See, they waited for 10 days. For 10 days. Like last night, I sat for three hours and I fell asleep. 
I, no, literally. I, and I woke up, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm waiting, so I'm still waiting. And I thought, for 10 days, are you serious? 10 days. And I don't want this to come off wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. How long are you willing to wait? Actively wait for what God wants to unleash in your life. What about this? What are you willing to wait on? Are you willing to wait as long as it takes when he wants to unleash something in you and through you for personal revival? Like, is anybody longing for that? Like a, like, like a move of God that you've never experienced before, church. I'm talking about something deep down that you've never, ever experienced. How about... Scripture causes a fire, like a, a fire that burns within you. Revelation 2 says, when you talk about revival, it says, to understand where you came from. Remember your first love. And get back to that. So who's longing for something more in their life? I am. So that means I'm probably going to have to sit and wait. Let's bow our hearts. As we close. Hey church, what would it look like if we didn't go big or go home? What if we went small and went home? What if we allowed God to work in you. Remember though, add the who can you change? You. You can't change anybody else, right? What if it started with you? You do not know the ramifications of that. Most of the revivals that I've read about all happen. Majority of them happen because of a result of people becoming fed up with the economy and moral problems. I'm going to make an understatement here. That I dare say the harvest is truly ripe for a great revival to start in your heart. God, He told the disciples to wait. 
in that waiting that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon them. God, in their position of who they are, God, it became who they were. Father, I pray that you'd help us lose our identity in this world. But God, our position would become your revival. Singular focus, just me, no one else, the only one I can worry about, the only one I can dictate personal revival in me. God, that's what I asked for. A church that's a body of believers. God, I'll speak personally that I am fed up with what's going on around me. God, I'm not putting my hope into a candidate. God, I'm not putting my hope in the decisions that are made. God, I'm putting my hope in you. God, in my waiting, I'm putting my hope in you. Hey, God, as I wait, I put my hope in you. God, when there's an atmosphere of hope, things change. God, when we walk into a room, things change if we have waited before you. God, in our waiting, in you, you reveal things to us. God, you show us things. God, we're able to slow down and to figure it out. God, help us wait upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting's uncomfortable. close with this. I'm not sure what these guys are going to do, but we're going to do it. Maybe just fed up, sick and tired of just being sick and tired. Maybe you just need a fresh start. Maybe you've looked for something in every avenue of life but this one. See, the key about this whole verse in 1-4, Acts 1-4 was they were all followers. They knew Jesus. And he told them to wait. So if you're in the house today and you're like, dude, I don't have a clue what you just talked about. I'm with you. I'm not sure what I just talked about either. But I know one thing's true. When you allow the Holy Spirit to invade your life, it cannot be the same. I will stand on that every day. I will stand on this box I will stand on whatever to let you know when you
you allow the work of the Holy Spirit into your life, and you're like, you know what, I'm done leading this thing, can I just tell you, church, things will be different. Your landscape will be Now listen, those are not going to be easy things, probably more than likely. But things will be different. The story goes about a king that dies and his prince becomes the king and there's a worker in the courts. And the prince really didn't know what the king, his worth was, but he knew he, he had unlimited resources. So he thought he was so good whenever he became king, he said, we're going to have this competition and then whoever wins the competition wins any wish that they would like to ask for. Just happened to be the guy in the court wins it. But is it considered a man of wisdom, the guy that wins? So the prince, now king, he says, ask whatever wish you want, it'll be given to you. And he asked for this. He's on a grain of wheat. On the first day. And I want a, a chessboard. And I want you to double that grain of wheat every day of all 64 blocks on a chessboard. The king looked at him and said, I thought you were a smart man. That sounds awful stupid of all the things you could ask for. Well, that's what I asked for. All he asked for was start with one. But see, the second day he got two grains of wheat. And on the third day, he got four. And on the sixth day, by the sixth day, he had 32 grains of wheat. By the eighth day, which was the first row on the chessboard, he had 128 grains of wheat. On the 16th day of the chessboard, he had 32,768. The prince could not help to laugh at him. This is the stupidest wish I've ever granted. When they got to the end, there was a total of 18 quadrillion, no, quadrillion, 446 quadrillion, 744 trillion, 73 billion, 709 million, 551,615 grains of wheat. It was so much that it was going to take his empire down because it was going to be too much to grant. It was his only wish. He was smarter than he looked. But where did it start, church? With one. So this is how we're going to end. All I'm looking is for one person to say, you know what? I want personal revival. I want God to do something to me that he's never done before. And we're going to leave. Andy, we're going to sing, not going to sing something, whatever you want to do. 
So this is, you're free to leave. But before, I just want one person to say, you know what? I'll be that one grain and I'll allow God in my waiting to double it. I'll let him do that. In my waiting, I'll be the one, yes, I want personal revival. Hey, God, what you want to do? Because there's something going to happen in your waiting that you're going to have to do. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. Go do it. So Jesus, as we go, I pray that would be branded on our very minds and our hearts. God, our longing is not for the revival of hundreds of thousands of people. But God, our desire is for the revival of one. God, that you would revive one. If there's, if there's air in our lungs, there's still hope. So revive one today, God. And then let's see what happens from there. So I'm just looking for one person to stand with me. Say, you know what? I want personal revival in my life. I got one. All right, you guys are free to go. You guys are having a great day. Thank you. I wouldn't stand just because of just standing. But you want personal revival in your life. And you want whatever he wants to do in you to make it happen. You guys have free. You're free to go.